0: Hi, guys. Welcome to today's episode. And we have Graham Curry, who is the author of The Fasting Highway. And our title today is Tips and Mindset to Make Intermittent Fasting Easier from Someone Who's Lost 132 Pounds Doing Intermittent Fasting, and he lost it in 15 months. So, Graham, welcome.
1: Thanks so much, Chantel. I've followed your podcasts and your book and so forth, and I'm a big fan. Thank you.
0: Great. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, your journey and what kind of brought you into intermittent fasting and how you really can give us some good tips on how to make that mindset and any little things extra to make it easier.
1: Sure. Well, I'll I'll just give the listeners a bit of a backstory. Um, I was sort of being heavy all my adult life, up to about 14. I was pretty normal, really. And then I just started growing, and it didn't help. My parents bought a convenience store, and I spent three years of my life in the store eating all the wrong things and drinking gallons of Coke, and I just basically got more obese as the years rolled on. And then once I got into my 20s and 30s, I discovered the party circuit and um, I went pretty hard at the ball with that. And all the while, I was just getting more obese and gathering more weight. And then I guess roll the clock forward to 2017, Um, at the end of I'd had a big week in Sydney at my in-laws and just drank and ate all week it was a Christmas week and I honestly felt like I was just going to blow up that's no other word to describe it and I got onto a plane um, ready to come home to Perth and I had that catalyst moment where I couldn't do up the seatbelt on the plane I could hardly fit into the seat I was taken up half my wife's seat and I thought I've got to do something here. I really do. This is this is it. And for whatever reason, I tried a lot of things in my uh, life, Chantal, to lose weight. And i have done that to a degree, but it, the weight would always come back on. Like There was nothing ever sustainable. And I'm sure a lot of us have done that yo-yo dieting over the years. And so I knew that I was a sugar and fast food addict. That was no two ways about that. So I got home to Perth and... I went about trying to find out how I was going to address that issue, especially the sugar, um, which I knew was my main problem. And so the fast food addiction, um, just to give you a picture of that, I was going to the drive-thru maybe three times a day, um, you know, for years. You know, the coffees, uh, muffins in the morning after breakfast. So, you know, I didn't really need it, but it just became a habit. And that habit became a habitual thing for life, really. And then um, so I set about learning about sugar. So I got hold of this book called A Life Less Sugar, which was written by a New Zealand woman called Amanda Tiffin. And it really shocked me when I looked at all these tables of how much sugar was actually in food, something I'd never really looked at before. And all my favourite foods were in there, things like baked beans I love, you know, full of sugar, tomato sauce, full of sugar, and then I went down to the local supermarket once I got my head around how to read a nutritional label and I spent about three quarters of a day really just going through every single thing I could look at and learning what sugar was in food. And it really shocked me because it just wasn't the sugar that was there on the packets. It was all the hidden sugars, with the dextrose and maltose and, you know, corn syrup and all that sort of thing. And, you know, I knew that it just wasn't a sugar issue. It was all the added sugars as well. So that took me a while to get my head through that, Um, and then I started going through this really, really bad addiction, um, you know, withdrawal from the sugar, and that lasted about three weeks and was horrific, to be honest. Um, So much so to the point I spent two days in bed with a doona over my head, and you know I was really going through climbing the walls. And I don't know what drug addictions like Chantel, but you know, withdrawing from that, but withdrawing from a four-decade abusive relationship with sugar in that three weeks was pretty pretty awful, to be honest. But I started coming out of it, and the fast food side of things, I I just stopped at cold turkey. I just stopped going to the drive through I even got to the point, um, I made sure I had fuel for my car on the way to work, and I took no money with me. I didn't take any cards, nothing, because I thought, well, if I don't have any money on me, I can't go and feed this addiction. And so that actually helped me a lot, um, even though it might be a risk running around without money. But that's what I did for a few weeks. Um, and then the sugar, I slowly started getting all that out of my life. I went through the pantry. I chucked out, blood, you know, food you can't give away really, half-eaten food that sort of thing. So I went through the pantry and I chucked out all the things that I thought were high in sugar and no good for me. And I basically had a reset. I got my mindset into a place where. I had to learn which foods I could have and which I couldn't. And then the fast food, obviously, that was out of my system. And I started eating more whole foods and cleaner type foods, and I started feeling quite good. And I guess what brought me to intermittent fasting was um, I was Googling one day and I found this thing called one meal a day lifestyle. And I thought my reaction was what sort of weirdos eat once a day? I mean, I was a guy that was eating 20 times a day at one point. And it intrigued me, and I looked into it. And um, I discovered Gin Stevens, of course, who we both know and, and love. And I read her book, Delay Don't Deny, and the light bulb moment went on. I thought, okay, this is something I can do. All I've got to do is delay in the day when I eat, and that's all I have to do. I have to do this clean fast, which Gin talked about in the book, and by clean fasting, the, you know, black tea, black coffee, Water, sparkling water, plain green tea. That was it during the fasting period. And then I started with a 23 and one protocol. And I did that basically the whole way through the weight loss journey. So that's basically how I got started with the intermittent fasting.
0: So tell us a little bit about how you changed your habits. So when you changed your habits, like give us some ideas, because one of the things that people say is that if you, you know, So many of people who are listening, maybe they were accustomed to having the three meals a day plus that snacking style of eating. And it's easy to feel like, you know, you should take a meal or take a snack even when you're not hungry just because it's lunchtime or because you're so accustomed to eating those snacks. And I think one of the things I love about fasting is that it really helps you to understand Am I really hungry or am I not? And and people have gotten so far distance from paying attention to their body and their hunger cues of knowing if they're hungry or not because they've created these habits of up oh, it's twelve o'clock, up oh, it's snack time, up oh, it's this. So what were some of the habits that you did that you replaced with other habits that said, okay, you know. I want to make sure that I'm really creating these new habits instead of some of the old habits.
1: Sure. Well, I guess, you know, after I read Delay Don't Deny, I had the tools of how to start IF. That was the first thing. The second thing was the mindset. I was so laser focused, Chantel. I don't know. I can't tell you for whatever reason, but I was just so determined to get this weight off. And I thought, all I've got to do is do this clean fast, wait till five o'clock every day, eat in a pattern of time between 5 and 6 p.m. And I did that OMAD style restaurant sort of style meal where you open with that snack and then you had you know your main and then dessert if it was required. But the mindset part was, you know, I visualized about what was my life going to be like without this weight? What can I do? What are the things I haven't been able to do? And so I wrote a list of all the things in my life that I couldn't do, that I was stopped from doing. You know, things like not being able to get on a helicopter at the Grand Canyon. I got kicked off because I was too heavy. Um, You know, things about not being able to fit into an airline seat properly. You know, and the terror terror on people's face when you walk down the aisle and how anxious I used to get. I used to nearly throw up because I was so anxious every time I flew about my size. So it was all those things that I thought about you know, what is my life going to be like? And I get this weight off. So every day I used to say to myself an affirmation or two. And the biggest thing was I needed to start loving myself first to turn my mindset around. Because I'd had 40 years of not talking to myself positively, talking to myself negatively, hating the image that I saw in the mirror. So how was I going to turn that around? So every day I would wait and I'd say two or three positive things about me about things that I loved about me. And I slowly started getting that loving myself first aspect into my life. And once I did that, the positivity of being able to fast became easier. So that was a really good habit to get into. The other sort of habits I got into was that I just set myself a goal of each week. I I'd, I'd counted it down in weeks. So week one, week two, week three, et cetera. I didn't sort of go any further past than that. And one of the things I did was I weighed every day. And for me, the weighing every day was the key to my success. And I know a lot of people don't like weighing every day. And I know a lot of people are messes with their mind. But for me, the scale became my best friend because as I saw the weight going down and I was taking the weight every day and averaging out on the week, I could see that what was happening was that I was losing the weight so that really helped my mindset and it kept me motivated, you know, and staying plugged into things like Facebook groups and reading great people like yourself and Jim Stevens and, you know, all those people in the groups and keeping that focus and, and reminding myself that it was possible. So yeah, I you had a mountain to climb and it was a big mountain. I mean, I was 357 pounds when I started. I was pretty heavy and I'm a six foot five, so I'm a tall guy. So I'm, I was pretty imposing. So It was drawing on all those things in my life that happened to me. My school life became horrific. Um, The more obese I got, the more bullied I got at school. My high school years were terrible. Um, It became one big fight. It was like going to a UFC cage fight every day because the bullies would be waiting for me and they would always pick on the fat kid because in 1975 to 77, there wasn't many obese kids at my school and I was – probably only one of about three out of, a, you know, 1,000 kids. And so you became a bit of a target. And then it was the greatest day of my life when I left school. And then I started seeing discrimination when I left school. My first job was in a butcher shop. Um, I was so happy to be an apprentice butcher. And I was hired by a manager. The owner came into the store and he said, what's that fat slob doing out the front of my store to the manager? And they sacked me. And um, so that was pretty devastating. Um, so I had to draw on all those things. So when you think about all those things that were so horrific in your life and you find something that's starting to make you feel good and you can see some results and it was easy. That was, that was a thing. Well, I shouldn't say it was easy. It was simple. And that's what I loved about Jim Stevens' Delay Don't Deny. It made it all so simple. So, yeah, there's a few mindset tricks there. But visualisation was probably the biggest one, writing it all down and then thinking about what is my life going to be like when this weight is off?
0: Hey guys, I'm so excited. My new book, One Meal and a Tasting, is out now. And if you order the book on Amazon, just the regular paperback edition, if you go in and make a review, you will get the audiobook for free. Send a copy of your receipt to questions at chantelrayway.com and you'll get the audiobook right away. I think that, you know, the positive affirmations and repeating all of the benefits that you are going to have, like you could fly in the plane and fly in the helicopter, but also just telling yourself, you know, this is going to be great. Like think about all the new things I'm going to be able to do and taking pleasure in the idea of it can make it so much easier, like convincing yourself that you want to do it and that you'll feel so much better if you stick with it is easier than trying to force yourself into it. And I know one of the things that some of the thin women that I've interviewed, they all say is like, when they hear their stomach growling or when they get hungry, they are in their mind thinking, this is awesome. Like, this is great because I'm burning fat right now. I'm now getting my fuel from my fat and from my hips and from my thighs. And so instead of saying, oh gosh, I'm so hungry, it's really creating that positivity. Instead of saying that fasting feels too hard, it's really just a matter of saying, this is great. And changing that mindset is so important. So talk about anything else about like maybe keeping yourself busy. Like, is there anything that you do to kind of keep yourself busy or make sure that You have back-to-back meetings if you're doing, you know, like a longer fast or anything like that that's made it easier for you to stick with it.
1: Sure. Let's talk about the hunger for a minute. Um, I guess in the early stages I really had to learn about hunger because there's two points of hunger, right? There's head hunger and there's belly hunger. So with head hunger, it's that hunger, the mind hunger, where you go, wow, I'm so hungry, I could eat a horse and jockey, right? But you're not really hungry, you just have that wave come over you. And usually you'll have a big glass of water or you'll get distracted, like you say, and you'll get stuck into your work if you're at work or you'll go for a walk or you'll do something to distract you and usually that feeling passes. And then there's that belly hunger where our body's telling us that, hey, you know, sometimes you don't feel great, you might feel a bit off, you might feel a bit shaky or even dizzy at some point. And I guess you've got to listen to your body at that stage. And there were days where I opened my window a bit earlier because I could recognize that different form of hunger. And when you have that hunger where you just think, wow, I'm hungry, I could eat that. Or you walk past a bakery and the smells trigger that and you go, wow, I'm really hungry. You just got to try and maybe just walk away, distract yourself, ring a friend. You know, you might not have talked to somebody for a while. Pick up the phone and ring them. Or go and do some shopping or do something else that's going to distract you away from that feeling. And if it doesn't pass and it persists, then you start feeling off or you're not feeling right. Then you've really got to listen to your body because that's a different type of hunger. That's that hunger where, well, sometimes you just got to eat. And um, it's important that you recognize the two forms of hunger. So I guess the other thing is with distraction, um, I know some days I'd be getting to the final stages of my window coming up. And I did 23 and one, right? So I've got to say, I never fasted past 23 hours. Only once I did. Um, that was by mistake. i got home late from work one night. Uh, I'd been away in the country and I just couldn't be bothered eating. I just had a long drive. I got out of the car and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to bed. So That was the only time I fasted past 23 hours, because for me, it was important that I had to have that mindset of at least I could eat once a day. I was never into the longer fast, the extended fasting, the ADF, the EF, um, because I didn't really know about it then because three years ago, when I first came to intermittent fasting, it was pretty simple. Most people just did OMAD, and there wasn't a lot of talk about the ADF and all that sort of thing back then in the groups. It was just more of an OMAD style. I was in a one meal a day lifestyle group. So, yeah, for me, extended fasting has never been a thing. I can understand why people do it and what the benefits are. And I always sort of keep my eyes on my own fast. And I really appreciate that everybody has a different story and a different fasting protocol, and they're looking for different results. So that's another thing, too, is don't compare yourself. Um, I think a lot of people fall into that trap when they're a beginner. They'll look at photos of people in the groups that have been doing it four or five weeks have lost 20 pounds. They might have only lost three. But it's really important not to compare because comparison is the thing for joy, Chantel. And when you start doing that, you're going to be, that's negative, right? That's the mindset is not to have that. You're an experiment of one. And it's important to keep your eyes on that, your own experiment. You do you and let them do them. Because if you start knocking yourself and I know you read in the groups, people after weekends, they really beat themselves up, and that's just self-destructive. Instead of beating yourself up, if you've had an excess on the weekends, then turn around on Monday and say, okay, okay, my, the scale is up a few pounds, whatever. You know, I haven't gained four pounds of fat overnight. It's just water retention from the extra carbs and so forth. And then just go back to your normal fasting protocol and don't beat yourself up or think you have to do a 40 or 50 hour fast to, to make up for it. And that's really important when you're a beginner It's just to remain calm when those things happen and just continue on and trust the process.
0: So what does your eating window look like? And I want you to talk about the different ways that people do one meal a day.
1: Sure. Well, one meal a day, you know, sometimes is known as OPAD as well, one plate a day, where people just have one big plate of food and that's it. Whereas I would say the majority of people that do OMAD look at it in a restaurant style, as I mentioned before, where they'll have the starter then they'll have a main. So my sort of uh, MO with it was five o'clock would come, I'd open with something like, cheese, tomato, um, crackers, bit of cold meat, something like that. Maybe you will have a coffee with cream in it once my window is open. So what I normally found with that was, and some people you'll hear, is they say that they binge in their window like they can't wait till their window opens and they get ravenous and they open the window and they just eat and eat and eat. And then they find that they overeat past that satiety signal. And I think if you're doing that, then one tip you could probably use is try and open your window with a higher fat, maybe something like avocado or something higher in fat, like cheese or something, just to take that edge off because that will stop you binging Then just sit back, have a rest and away you go. So I think that's important, but um, yeah, there's a lot to be said about, you know, styles. I mean, some people do OMAD, some people do ADF, as you know, and You know, I think everybody's got to find their own niche. And with OMAD, I mean, you can do 16 and 8. And if somebody's sitting there wondering how to start, my suggestion would be that they start with a 16 and 8. So what that means is you'll do a 16-hour fast and you'll eat in an 8-hour window. And it's important also to understand that when you have that eating window, whether it's 1 hour, 2 hours, 4 hours, or 8 hours, it doesn't mean that you eat for one hour, two hours, four hours, eight hours, constantly. What it means is you'll eat in a pattern of time, and in that eating window, eat to satiety. So after a while, with IF, as you know, Chantel, we get what's called appetite correction, where your body almost gives you that automatic single uh, signal sorry, that you've had enough. It's almost like that aha moment. So some days for me in that one-hour eating window, it might only be you know, 25 minutes of actual eating and I'm done. So I don't just look at the clock and think, wow, I've got an hour to go now. So I might have something else to eat, something else to eat because it's an hour to go. So that's really, really important for beginners to understand. You've got to eat to that full signal and don't eat past that just because you have an extra 40 minutes in your window to go.
0: Hey guys, I really want you to join our Intermittent Fasting and OMAD Facebook group. We're doing tons of giveaways right now for posting your before and after pictures and just for posting a question in there. We're giving away free protein shakes, some Digest Aid, all kinds of fun stuff. So please join our Intermittent Fasting and OMAD Facebook group. The link is in the show notes. I am so glad that you said that because I, that is something that really drives me crazy because then you're defeating the whole purpose of eating from hunger to fullness. And so people are like, oh, I still have a little more time. Let me try to shove in some more food. And having that kind of mindset is just a disaster. So I love what you said about, you know, my book called One Meal and a Tasting um, is Really, about having that tasting is really what kind of helps you to not binge when you have that main meal. And so the way you kind of said it is having like one meal a day and having a starter and then a main meal. So you could say it in any way that you want, but you kind of have like that starter. And I think that starter is really important because it gets you to kind of calm down. Because if in your mind, if you're trying to do one meal a day and you're only eating that one meal... I feel like sometimes people get too ravenously hungry, and then they can't control how much they're eating, and then they're ending up overeating, which is not what we want.
1: No, correct. And I think what intermittent fasting does too, it helps you with mindful eating, Chantel. So for me, mindful eating was actually starting to enjoy food. I mean, when I was obese and I was addicted to processed food and sugars, I wasn't tasting food, I was tasting my addiction. And then when it came to getting over that, starting intermittent fasting, after a while, I really started savouring the food that I was eating. I could taste it and I enjoyed it. And the flavours were amazing of all this beautiful whole food that I was eating. And to give people an idea of what sort of things I was eating, given the fact I was a sugar and fast food addict, obviously I wasn't eating a lot of that. So I guess I was eating a keto-ish sort of style food as well. Um, I like meat. I'm a big steak fan, um, you know, lamb, chicken, any of those sorts of things. Also seafood, massive seafood lover. Um, lucky enough here in Perth, Australia, that we have an abundance of lobster, um, fish, beautiful f- fresh fish we can get just down the road here. So I had a lot of that. Um and really I focused on that. My biggest issue was the social aspect of how I was going to handle that, business meetings, um, catching up with friends. And they say Saturday isn't a special occasion, as, as Jim mentions in that book, but unfortunately a lot of special occasions are on the Saturday. So I had to learn how to get around that because I was a party boy, Chantel, right? I mean, there was no two ways about it. I lived a lifestyle. I was a party boy. And I loved to party, and I was known as the life of the party. I mean, people used to gravitate towards me because of that. And then when I sort of started my journey, I was so laser-focused, I withdrew from that a fair bit, and that was hard. The social aspect was hard because, I knew I couldn't do that anymore. And, you know, I was stopped going to the pub with my friends. Um, I wasn't running around three cafes in a day to catch up with people. Um, you know, I wasn't going down the... Uh, lunchtime with my work colleagues. And so I got a bit of stick about that from people. But you just have to stay on your journey and be focused about what your health goals are. I mean, do you want to please everybody else around you or everybody that's giving you grief about your lifestyle? And one of the things I found is I didn't really tell too many people when I first began intermittent fasting what I was doing. And the reason for that was, over the years, I'd always announced these diets I was doing. Hey, this week, I'm doing the soup diet, or this week, I'm doing that diet. And people would just say, oh, yeah, how long's that going to last? And so I thought, once I found out intermittent fasting was working for me, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to let the results do the talking here. And after a while, I'd lost a fair bit of weight, and people started asking me, hey, what are you doing? You know, what's going on? And I sort of said, well, you know, I'm doing this thing called intermittent fasting, and and people were interested, but, you know, your friends that, you know, you're very sociable with, they were sort of started getting a bit narky about, you know, how come you're not coming out with us so much? So for me, the social aspect was difficult, but I learned to get over that. And then I sort of – I was a beer drinker, so I thought, what can I do to change that? So I started drinking vodka and soda, which obviously was a, a lot less on my belly, that sort of thing. And um, You know, and I was still going to the odd party and, you know, socialising with people, but not as much. So if anybody asked me what the hardest part of my journey was, it was definitely that. I mean, I went to a lot of conferences. I organised conferences for a living. I work in agriculture. So that was always difficult too because, you know, work colleagues would always want to catch up for breakfast or lunch and, you know, you're sort of fasting at the time. So there were some days too where, I sort of did it a couple of times a day. I just didn't do the OMAD. And it's important to be flexible in this lifestyle because if you decide it's going to be for life, then you've got to try and fit those things in. And I'm sure you've had business occasions yourself where, where that's happened to.
0: Mm. Well, one of the things that I loved what you were talking about is just really chewing your food slowly and swallowing it. I had a lady tell me one time that was a little bit older. She said that an old name for a food blender was a Fletcherizer. And I guess there was a guy named like Horace Fletcher and he had lost weight and gained better health by chewing his food well. And so he had recommended 32 chews for each bite. And so he's, like she said, yes, you need to fletcherize your food. And so you basically try to chew each bite at least, you know, 15 times. Ideally, I guess he recommends 32 chews for a bite, which is really difficult. But you you start with 15 and then you work your way up to around 30 to 32 bites. And so it's a constant reminder to say, okay, Chantelle, you need to fletcherize your food because for me, the number one thing that I still could use improvement on is slowing down and making the point of pausing and, you know, pausing at the beginning of the meal, looking at each item of the food, you know, looking at its colors and textures and, you know, kind of smelling the food, almost like a wine connoisseur tastes the wine, you know, like, you know how they, with the wine, they first sniff, you know, the wine first and kind of like first smelling it and, you know, rolling it around in your mouth and savoring it and figuring out what items you can detect. But that for me is one area that I'm still continually working on. Do you have any tips for um, eating a little bit more slowly or really savoring that food?
1: Yeah, one of the things I, I found was presentation of your plate. And for me, that was like, you know, it almost became theatre, if you like, you know, preparing your plate and putting everything on the plate, making it look really lovely and getting some colour in there. And, you know, people look at my meal picks and they say they always look so lovely. But, you know, I take time because, you know, when I was obese, I didn't care. It was just volume. I just, whatever I was eating, I normally I was eating out of a paper bag. So with intermittent fasting, what it taught me was prepare, presentation, enjoy, savor, taste. And so your eyes eat first, right? So when you get your plate and you put beautiful food on it, it has lovely colours, and like you said, just taking that time and chewing it, savouring it. And I really love what you just said then about the wine connoisseur, because I feel like that too, that food will become a bit of a connoisseur about And I just love it. And I love it when I look on Instagram at the foodies sites and I see these beautifully prepared meals. And um, there's a site I go to called uh, Window Worthy, where this lady has these magnificent prepared meals with beautiful colours. And I think that's really important. Take time with the presentation, put colour on your plate and sit there and mindfully eat. And, you know, just that chewing, like you said, and really thinking about it. Man, how good does this food taste? And appreciating it. And then when you get that aha moment, and that sort of kicked in for me about six, eight weeks in, almost it became deafening. It was like a signal. It was just like, okay, switch off. You're done. And whether that was 25 minutes into my window or 30 minutes into my window or some days may even shorter than that, I was done. And I didn't eat through that. And then I just... You know, close off. And then at the end of my one hour eating window, I'd start my fast again and do the 23 hours until the next day. And I mean, that was, people always say to me, when you started, you did 23 and one. That was pretty radical for a person just starting. But I didn't really know any different. I didn't really think about it. I just thought, well, what suits me? I get home around, you know, quarter to five. I'll get out of the car, you know, go inside, prepare something, and I'll eat between five and six. And then I had that time in the evening to reflect and I used to always reflect about my one meal a day too about how I could improve it what I could do different and my cooking skills certainly improved I mean I'll be honest they were woeful before I came doing them in a the fasting I was shocking. and then I, I got recipe books and I looked at the pictures and I thought how I, how can I replicate that and I followed some people in the groups that were fantastic at their meal presentation I, I, I copied some of them and so, yeah, that was really important and just sitting there and being mindful, grateful, and thinking about that colour and presentation. Mm.
0: Yeah, and I think it really matters as far as, you know, if you're looking at, if you're really struggling to try to do OMAD and, or even if you're doing a six hour window and you're really struggling to kind of make it to your next eating window, one of the things that I always ask myself is, you know, what was the last meal I ate before I started my fast? Like, did it have enough fiber? Did it have enough protein? Did it have enough fat? Am I hydrated? You know, filling up with balanced and satiating foods before your fast will help you feel full longer and not have you kind of get up the next morning like, oh my gosh, I have to eat something. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, and I think that comes to the point about don't eat for future hunger. And that's why when you feel satiated and you feel really good, and it's important to eat to that point. Like if you're not satisfied or full, then you haven't had enough to eat for that that period in your eating window because, as you say, you'll wake up the next day and you'll be ravenous and you'll want something to eat. Whereas when you eat to that point of satiety and you feel satisfied but not stuffed, that's the important message. Feel satisfied but not stuffed. Don't feel so stuffed that you have to go and lie on the couch and undo your pants for half an hour because that's the wrong way to go about it. And a lot of people I know and I mentor and they come to me with problems and they say, oh, look, you know, and I say, well, what are you doing in your window? What's going on? And they tell me that, well, well, my window was open for an hour, so I ate for an hour. I said, look, don't do that. Don't just keep eating through those satiety signals because what will happen is you'll be so full and stuffed, you'll feel horrible, you won't be able to sleep, particularly if you have an evening window. And that's important too to think about. I don't want to go to bed so full, I can't sleep. And then you're going to get ratty, you're going to feel bad, you're going to feel horrible, wake up the next day and want to eat through it. So, yes, I agree with you. Um, Don't eat for future hunger and think, oh, man, I've just got to keep eating because I'm going to be fasting for the next 23 hours. If you're eating to satiety and you're full and you can get used to that every day, you'll you'll be well on your way.
0: Hey guys, I'd love for you guys to listen to a podcast that we did about the side effects from wine and the differences between natural wine and traditional wine. So go to ChantelRayway.com wine, and you'll see transcripts, you'll see some different episodes, but here's the thing, you can get your penny bottle now of dry farm wines and make the decision that if you're going to have wine, to make sure you have the most natural, healthy wine in the world with no additives. Additives, only natural ingredients. All the other wines out there have so much sulfate, so much sugar. Why put that poison in your body? So get your penny bottle now at chantelraywaycom slash wine. And I'll give one more tip, but you know, I was out to dinner the other night and I was just eating that it was my one meal for the day. And I made sure I told the person, you know, don't I said, they said, you're not really drinking a lot of water. And I said, you know, I try not to drink during my meals. I try to have a lot of water. But one tip that I have is because if you're drinking too much water at your meals, it messes with your stomach acid. So I'd love for people to listen to that episode I had about stomach acid. But one of the tips that you can have is even enjoying what you're drinking by holding the liquid in your mouth for a few seconds and kind of swirl it around and enjoy the taste of it, you know, kind of. Of like pretending like you're on a TV show and you're showing the audience how much you're enjoying this drink, and almost even taking. I had a friend who is French, and when he took the water, he literally took the water and like swirled it around in his mouth. So he had the enzymes digesting it, you know, and he was just putting down his utensils every single time. He'd put a bite of food in his mouth. He'd put down the fork. He didn't pick it up again until the bite was completely chewed and completely savored. Sometimes I watched he put the the fork with his non-dominant hand to even eat a little bit more slowly. Um, and so it's just, it's really fun to watch people who really savor their food. It it really, you try to find friends that do that because it'll really teach you how to eat more slowly. Well, anything that I haven't asked you that you'd love to share with listeners today?
1: Yeah, I guess um, I'm a guy that lost 132 pounds, right? And I want to emphasize that it's not all about the weight loss. Um, I had so many great health benefits and NSVs and non-scale victories as we call them. And so after about three months of fasting, one of the things I had in my life was psoriasis. All over my hands, backs of my knees, elbows. I had it in quite a few places. I'd been to three specialists over the years. They all told me the same thing. You'll never get rid of it. It's nothing to do with your diet. It's just in your DNA. It's who you are. And after about three months of intermittent fasting, I noticed it fading. And by the six-month mark, That psoriasis completely left my body. There was no sign of it. And so many other things, um, things like my vision improved. I know that sounds really wacky, but when I was obese, it was almost like I had this fog over my eyes. And I remember going for the first eye test after about eight months of intermittent fasting, and the guy said to me, your eyesight weirdly has improved since the last time you were here. And I said, well, yeah. And he said, what have you been doing? And I said, well, I do intermittent fasting. And he said, well, he said, this isn't the first time that I've had people that have come in here and said that and had similar things. And I just noticed how sharp my vision was. So that was the second thing. I noticed things like just my hair, my growth in my hair was just so thick and um, it was crazy. I was going to the barber like every three weeks. Um, Just things like I had arthritic pain in my fingers. So every day I'd wake up in my life, I was almost like I couldn't open my hand in the mornings, particularly in the winter. And I'd had that for so many years. And again, after about six or eight months of intermittent fasting, that went away. It's never come back. And now my skin's clear. I had all the psoriasis all over my hands. And people used to say to me, how come you've got rid of that psoriasis that you had all over your hands and elbows and knees. And I said, well, I don't know the scientific reason, but all I can tell you is I've been doing intermittent fasting. And the interesting thing about the psoriasis is, um, Chantel, I've interviewed several people that have reported similar things um, that they had all over their body and left them. So that's a really interesting point. Um, Just all sorts of things, really, nail growth, Um, just clearer skin, Um, yeah, just mental clarity, uh, energy. Um, I mean, Exercising became a joy for me. And I'll have to tell people, um, when I lost the weight, uh, 132 pounds, the first sort of eight months I lost 100 pounds. I didn't hardly exercise at all because I only did general daily stuff. Like we live on a horse property. We've got a few acres. So general stuff we had to do around the horse property. Fencing that type of thing. But I didn't really do any aerobic things like go out for a run or walks. Or oh, I was walking a bit, but not running or anything like that. And then when I – because my theory was I need to get this weight off first. I need to get in control of my food first. I need to be able to get into good habits with my food. And because there were so many aspects to all this, I, I know in the past where I'd done these things where I exercise, calories in, calories out, and I'd flog myself with the exercise or somebody else would flog me, a trainer or whatever. And I knew I resented it because I felt so awful being so heavy. And then once I got the weight off or I got 100 off, 100 pounds, I started enjoying it. I was walking longer. And I was out one day and I actually broke into a jog. And um, it was the first time I realised in my adult life that I could run. And I know that sounds sort of corny, but it was a bit like Forrest Gump with the calipers breaking off his legs and all of a sudden I could run. So that was a huge thing for me. And then I got a rowing machine and I started rowing. Then I started swimming down at the local pool. I couldn't swim to save myself. And I ended up doing 30 laps of an Olympic pool one day, fully fasted, and I always exercise fully fasted. So exercise has become a huge part of my life now. Um, Every day I try to do something. So sometimes I say to people, don't just think about the exercise. If you're really obese, try and get your food right, and then once you get your weight down a little bit, then try and do the exercise. And I know people worry about loose skin and that sort of thing. Um, losing 132 pounds is a lot of weight, but I'm a tall guy, six foot five, so I was fairly lucky with the loose skin. I didn't really have that issue. I had a little bit under my arms, which over the last two years, being in maintenance, um, continuing my fasting regime. It just seems to have tightened up. So, yeah, exercise is important, but I don't think when you first start that you need to get really hooked up on it. Just concentrate on nailing that clean fast. That's the first thing. Nail that absolute. The second thing is try and gravitate towards what I call a worthy window. And the third thing is Pick up some exercise when you feel that you're able to.
0: That's awesome. And one thing I do want to say about the psoriasis is that I have heard that with people who have gone to an actual 23 1 eating window, that they've had great success with psoriasis. But people who only did a six hour eating window or an eight hour eating window, they did not see that kind of success. So I've seen different people who have been like, you know, oh, my friend says she's doing you know, intermittent fasting and they're healing from psoriasis, but I'm doing it and I'm not. And I will tell you, it's funny that you say that, But the people who have done the 23 one eating window, I have seen those people have very good success with the psoriasis. And I think it's just the extended fasting window. It's just allowing your body to heal your gut a little bit longer. And it's also I think about what you're putting into that eating window as well is that, you know, are you putting still putting in fast foods and tons of sugar and tons of junk into your body or are you eating more whole foods and stuff like that? Well, this has been wonderful, Graham. Thank you so much for being with us. Tell listeners where they can find you and where they can follow you.
1: Sure. Um, they can come to my uh, website, thefastinghighway.com. More so the author of the Fasting Highway book, um, which I wrote about my journey. Um, you can pick that up on Amazon, um, a few other places. Come to my website also. But also I have a Facebook group, the same name. I try to keep everything the same, The Fasting Highway. And I'm also on Instagram as Graham Curry underscore 63. Um, My passion now is to pay it forward Chantel, similar to yourself, and help other people um, find their path to autopilot wellness. And so, yeah, if anybody wants to reach out, I'm more just sort of happy to speak to them.
0: Well, this has been great. You guys stay tuned. We have another episode coming up in just a few. Bye-bye for now.